I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, what's new with me? It's Father's Day. <clears throat> and you think that it's a special day for you. Uh, when Mother's Day rolled around, I told my two daughters, uh, did you get a present for your mom? And they said no. And I said, well, that won't do. You're going to have something for your mom. It's Mother's Day, for God's sake. She gave birth to you. You wouldn't be here if she didn't choose to give you life. So we went to the store and got a card and some weird little trinkets. And, uh, yeah, so then Mom thanked me later. I heard that you bought them, so thanks for doing that. Yeah, 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 I get it. It's part of the fallacy of parenthood. And so Father's Day rolls around, and the kids tell me, yeah, Mom offered to pay to buy you a gift. And I said, oh, good. I want a tie that looks like a fish. So that when I'm walking towards people, they'd say, hey, what? that guy's got a fish on his neck. It's just hanging there down his chest. And it's like he doesn't even care. And as they get closer, they find out, oh, it's, I've got a real fish. It's a print on a tie. Ah, oh, that's delightful. And my kids didn't like that. And they said, well, then why don't you get me a, a, uh, like a case for my iPhone that I can put on my belt? And they weren't going to do that either. And so as the days go on, I'll admit I felt a little, a little bit excited. Like, ooh, my kids, my kids will get me something. And I haven't uh, cared about presents on birthdays or Christmases because when you get to a certain age, presents don't mean anything. Uh, getting a present on Christmas, who cares? Uh, you've got your phone, and everything you care about is an app on your phone. You don't care about physical things anymore. Maybe you care about getting like a, a watch that ties in with your phone. So you get, you know, it's just all phone-based. So it's like I've got everything I need that way. I've got a Kindle so I can read my books. I've got a laptop. Like I don't need anything else. And so Christmas, birthdays, blah. But... Something about Father's Day and children taking the time to specifically pick out something just for me. Oh, I was, uh, I was a little bit excited about it, to be honest. Until I found out later, they didn't get me anything and had no intention of getting me anything. And I thought, oh, this is a ploy. Yeah, it wasn't a ploy. They had nothing. Father's Day today rolls around. Nothing. Got nothing out of it. So I made them breakfast. A big one with bacon and pancakes and eggs and orange juice and sweet tea and a bunch of other crap. I even made little muffins, uh, breakfast muffins. Did all that for them, and they sat around, they ate it, and they went up to their rooms and sat. And then I mowed the lawn. Oh, and my dead spots in my lawn are finally growing some grass, so that means pretty soon I can just stop thinking about my lawn. I can't wait. And I took a walk. Got back home, started raining, and I told them, my present is going to be, you're going to freaking watch Ponyo with me. Ponyo's a movie they used to watch when they were kids, and uh, I never really got into it, but I watched it recently, and I this is cute. So I made them sit and watch Ponyo with me, which is a cute little animated movie about a little girl fish 
and a little boy that just loves this fish. And it's just cute. The whole movie's just cute. Like, it's so adorable, it almost brings you to tears sometimes. That, uh, like, for example, the little girl, fish, slowly becomes human, and when she finally gets teeth, like a little tiny excited kid would really do in real life, she yells, TEETH! Because <laughs> she has them. <laughs> it's just adorable. Anyways, it forced them to sit and watch that. Uh, they weren't interested, but they, they sat there. They knew they had to, because they failed in their one job, which is to get me a gift. So, that's Father's Day for you. Uh, nothing. Just, you keep providing for them. You keep watching them grow and watching them not only need you less and less, but not give a crap about you. And, uh, you just keep doing it anyways. Keep providing for them. You keep, uh, being the dad, being the alpha. And, uh, and then eventually hope that they come around at some point in their 20s when they need help as an adult from an actual adult. I don't know. Or maybe they never will. Uh, with my luck, they'll probably wind up marrying uh, wealthy, cocky men and be on yachts all the time, and I'll just be so disgusted, I'll have nothing to do with them. Oh, this really went down the tubes. Uh, let's dive into Chapter 2, uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, by Jefferkin <laughs> Beauregard Higgins. Uh, I forgot what his full name is. I just made that one up, obviously. Uh, but his pen name is Mark Twain. Well, since we already talked about the author in the first chapter, or whatever... Uh, I figured maybe I'll just do fun facts about Mark Twain uh, in the beginning of each one of these until I run out of those fun facts. Uh, one, uh, he loved cats and wanted them around all the time. So that's a fun fact. Uh, a better fun fact is uh, his death. Um, he was born, oh, his real name is Samuel Langhorn Clemens. On November 30th, 1835, in the town of Florida, Missouri, uh, that was two weeks after Halley's Comet appeared on its closest approach to Earth. Uh, it is death. Uh, he was born right after Halley's Comet appeared, and the comet was scheduled to return in 1910. And he told people in 1909, it came in with Halley's Comet in 1835, and it's coming again next year. Oh, and I expect to go out with it. It'll be the greatest disappointment of my life if I don't go out with Halley's Comet. And as he predicted, he died on April 21st, 1910, of a heart attack. The day after Halley's Comet made his closest pass, he was 74 years old. So, there you go. A guy who wanted to die in a really cool way. Let's get started. Chapter 2 Saturday morning was come, and all the summer world was bright and fresh and brimming with life. Ah, there was a song in every heart, and if the heart was young, the music issued at the lips. Ah, there was a cheer in every face and a spring in every step. Ah, locust trees were in bloom, ah, and the fragrance of the blossoms filled the air. Ah, Cardiff Hill, beyond the village and above it, 
There goes my cat running around. It was green, ah, with vegetation, and it lay just far enough away to seem a delectable land, dreamy, reposeful, and inviting. Tom appeared on the sidewalk ah, with a bucket of whitewash and a long-handled brush. He surveyed the fence, and all gladness left him, and a deep melancholy settled down upon his spirit. Thirty yards of board fence, nine feet high. Nine feet high, wow. Life to him seemed hollow, and existence uh, but a burden. Sighing, he dipped his brush and... <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you can hear it, but my cats are racing around upstairs. Sighing, he dipped his brush and passed it along the topmost plank. Repeated the operation, uh, did it again, compared to insignificant whitewashed streak with the far-reaching content of unwhitewashed fence, and sat down on a tree box discouraged. Uh, Jim came skipping out of the gate with the pintail and singing, Buffalo gals, ha ha ha. Bringing water from the town pump had always been hateful work in Tom's eyes before, but now it did not strike him so. Oh, he remembered that there was company at the pump. White, uh, oh, mulatto, and N-word. <laughs> Again, it's not the full N-word. It's just very close. Uh, boys and girls were always there, waiting their turns, resting, trading playthings, quarreling, fighting, skylarking. And he remembered that although the pump was only 150 yards off, Jim never got back with a bucket of water under an hour. And even then, somebody generally had to go after him. Tom said, uh, Say, Jim, I'll fetch the water if you'll whitewash some. Yeah, Jim shook his head and said, uh, Can't, Mars Tom, old missus, she told me I got to go and get this water and not stop fooling around with anybody. She say she expect Mars Tom going to ask me to whitewash. Oh, my God, the, the attempt at writing this is just almost impossible to read. Gwen to ax me to whitewash, and so she told me go long and tend to my own business. She load she tend to the whitewashing. Oh, never you mind what she said, Jim. That's just the way she always talks. Ah, give me the bucket. I won't be gone. Only a, a minute. Ah, she won't even know. Oh, I dare in Mars Tom. Old missus said she'd take tar to head off me. Indeed she would. Ugh. She? Yeah, she never licks anybody. Yeah, wax him over the head with her thimble, and who cares for that? I'd like to know. Oh, she talks awful, but she don't hurt. Anyways, it don't if she don't cry. Jim, I'll give you a marvel. I'll give you a white alley. And Jim began to answer, White alley, Jim, and it's a, a bully taw. My, that's a mighty gay marvel, I tell you. But Mars Tom, I, a uh, powerful freight old missus. Uh, besides, if you will, I'll show you my sore toe. Uh, Jim was only human, and this transaction was too much for him. He put down his pail. Uh, I took the white alley and bent over the toe with absorbing interest while the bandage was being unwound. In another moment, uh, he's flying down the street with his pail and a tingling rear. Tom was whitewashing with vigor. And Aunt Polly was retiring from the field with the slipper in her hand and triumph in her eye. But Tom's energy did not last. He began to think of the fun he had planned for this day, and his sorrows multiplied. 
Soon the free boys would come tripping along, all sorts of delicious expeditions, and they would make a, a world of fun for him having to work, and they thought of it would burn like fire. He got out his worldly health and examined it, had bits of toys and marbles and trash, enough to buy an exchange of work in italics, maybe, but not half enough to buy so much as half an hour of pure freedom. So he returned his straightened means to his pocket and gave up the idea of trying to uh, buy the boys. At this dark and hopeless moment, an inspiration burst upon him. Ah, nothing less than a great magnificent inspiration. He took out his brush and went tranquility to work. Tranquilly to work. Ben Rogers, hove in sight presently. Oh, the very boy of all boys, whose ridicule, ridicule he had been dreading. Ben's gait was the hop, skip, and jump, proof enough that his heart was light and his anticipations high. He was eating an apple and giving a long, melodious whoop at intervals, <laughs> followed by deep-toned ding-dong-dong, ding-dong-dong, for he was personating a steamboat. Ah. Ah, as he drew near, he slackened speed, took the middle of the street, leaned far over to starboard, and rounded too ponderously and with laborious pomp and circumstance, for he was personating ah, the big Missouri, ah and considered himself to be drawing nine feet of water. He was boat and captain and engine bells combined, so he had to imagine himself standing on his own hurricane deck, giving the orders and executing them. Yeah, stop here, sir. Ting-a-ling-ling. Uh, the headway uh, ran almost out, and he drew up slowly toward the sidewalk. Uh, ship up to back. Uh, Ting-a-ling-ling. His arms straightened and stiffened down his sides. Uh, set her back on the starboard, tingling, ling, chow, 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 chow. His right hand, meantime, describing stately circles, for it was representing a 40-foot wheel. Let her go back on the uh, labboard, tingling, ling, chow, chow, chow. The left hand began to describe circles. Stop the starboard, tingling, ling, stop the labboard, come ahead, this is insane. Stop her, let <laughs> your outside turn over slow, tingling, ling, chow, ow, ow. Get out the headline, lively now. Come out with your spring line. Uh, what are you about here? Take a turn around the stump with the bite of it. Stand by that stage now. Uh, let it go. Done with the engine, sir. Tingling ling. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> Trying the gauge cocks. Ugh. Tom uh, went on whitewashing. Yeah, paid no attention to the steamboat. Ben stared a moment and said, uh, Hiya. You're up a stump, aren't you? No answer. Tom surveyed his last touch with an eye of an artist, and then gave his brush another gentle sweep and surveyed the result as before. Ben ranged up alongside him. Tom's mouth watered for that apple. But he stuck to his work. Ben said, oh, Hello, old chap. Uh, you got to work, hey? Tom wheeled suddenly and said, Why, it's you, Ben. I weren't noticing. Say... I'm in a, a, in a swimming, I am. <laughs> Don't you wish you could? But of course you'd druther work, wouldn't you? Of course you would. Tom contemplated the boy a bit and said, well, What do you call work? Well, ain't that work? Tom resumed his whitewashing and answered carelessly, Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. All I know is it suits Tom Sawyer. Oh, come on now, you don't mean that. Like you like it. The brush continued to move. Like it? Well, I don't see why I'm to like it. Ah, 
Does a boy get a chance to whitewash a fence every day? Hmm. That put the thing in a new light, Ben stopped nibbling his apple. Tom swept his brush daintily and back and forth, stepped back uh, to note the effect, added a touch here and there, criticized the effect again. Ben, watching every move and getting more and more interested, more and more absorbed, presently he said, hey, Say, Tom, uh, why don't you let me whitewash a little? Tom considered. He was about to consent, but he altered his mind. No, no, I... Reckon it wouldn't hardly do, Ben. You see, Aunt Polly's awful particular about this fence right here on this street, you know. Uh, but if it was the back fence, oh, I wouldn't mind. She wouldn't. Yes, she's awful particular about this fence. It's got to be done very careful. I reckon there ain't one boy in a thousand, maybe eh, hmm, eh, two thousand, that can do it the way it's got to be done. No, is that so? Oh, come now. Let me just try. Oh, just a little... I'd let you if you was me, Tom. Ben, I'd like to, honest engine. But Aunt Polly, well, Jim wanted to do it, but she wouldn't let him. Sid wanted to, and she wouldn't let Sid. Now, don't you see how I'm fixed? If you was to tackle this fence and anything was to happen to it, oh, shucks, I'll be just as careful. Now, let me try say, i give you a little core of my apple. Oh, well, here, no, Ben. Now, don't, I'm, I'm afeard. I'll give you all of it. Tom gave up the brush eh, with reluctance in his face, but uh, alacrity, alacrity in his heart. I'm not looking it up. And while the late steamer, Big Missouri, worked and sweated in the sun, the retired artist sat on a barrel in the shade close by and dangled his legs, munched his apple, and planned the slaughter of more innocents. There was no lack of material. Boys happened along every little while. Ah, they came to jeer, but remained to whitewash. By the time Ben uh, was fagged out... <laughs> it's not a homophobic slur, I'm sure. I thought fag is a bundle of sticks. As soon as Ben was fagged out, Tom had traded the next chance to Billy Fisher for a kite in good repair. And when he played it out, uh, Johnny Miller... Bought in for a dead rat and a string to swing it with. <laughs> and so on and so on. That's got to be fun. I kind of wonder what that would look like. Maybe I'd be into that. Hour after hour. And when the middle of the afternoon came from being a poor, poverty-stricken boy in the morning, Tom was literally rolling in wealth. He had, besides the things before mentioned, 12 marbles, part of a Jew's harp, a piece of blue bottle glass to look through, a spool cannon, a key eh, that wouldn't unlock anything, a fragment of chalk, eh, a glass stopper, a decanter, eh, a tin soldier, a couple of tadpoles, six firecrackers, ooh, a kitten with only one eye, a brass doorknob, a dog collar, but eh, no dog, and the handle of a knife, four pieces of an orange peel and a dilapidated old window sash. He had a nice, good, idle time all the while. Plenty of company, and the fence had three coats of whitewash on it, exclamation point. If he hadn't run out of whitewash, he would have bankrupt every boy in the village. Tom said to himself that it was uh, not such a hollow world after all. He had discovered a great law of human action, without knowing it, namely, that in order to make a man or a boy covet a thing, it is only necessary to make the thing difficult to attain. If he had been a great and wise philosopher like the writer of this book, oh boy, he would now have comprehended that work consists of whatever a body is obliged to do. 
and that the play consists of whatever a body is not obliged to. And this would help him to understand why constructing artificial flowers or performing on a treadmill is work, while rolling ten pins or climbing Mont Blanc is only an amusement. There are wealthy gentlemen in England who drive four-horse passenger coaches 20 or 30 miles on a daily line in the summer because the privilege costs them considerable money. But if they were offered wages for the service, eh, they would turn it into work and then they would resign. The boy mused a while over the substantial change which had taken place in his worldly circumstances and then wended toward headquarters to report. Well, how do I tie that in with uh, what I said in the opening? It's a fun little game I like to play. You think it's fun, don't you? Uh, ungrateful kids. Uh, <clears throat> Tom seems pretty ungrateful. You ask him to do something, he won't do it. So there's your tie-in. That's pretty easy. That didn't take a lot of work. Though, one angle I'm not considering is that Tom won't do the thing you asked him to do, but he excels upon it. He winds up getting other people to work like slaves for him. And he winds up getting riches in the process. So, who knows what happened on the misadventures of my children buying me a gift. Maybe they did get me a gift. But then they wound up uh, able to trade in the gift for... I don't know what teenage girls think is important. TikTok followers, maybe. I don't know. So who knows what misadventures my children were on while they got me a gift and somehow traded that gift away for something more important that benefits them in the end. And uh, in the end, uh, well, at least at least Aunt Polly actually got her fence wa- uh, whitewashed. I got nothing. I got forced fun with Ponyo. Oh, I giggled like an idiot during the whole movie and they just sat there in silence on their phones. Yeah, well, whatever. Okay, so the tie-in wasn't that great. But there you go, Father's Day. Uh, my super secret project that I was considering doing eh, fell through the cracks. I can't think of what to do with it. It's kind of like uh, the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me. Ah, it's a funny podcast. The three of them get together, and you can tell they're all related because they sound the same. And they all joke around, and they all got their little special ways of talking, and it's all entertaining and delightful. And then they go off and do their own podcasts on the side, and for the most part, they're not as interesting because it's kind of each one taking their shtick and then just trying to redo it on the side on their own. But it's the same shtick that you hear on the first podcast, but now they're doing it on a separate podcast. And I realized I'm kind of doing the same thing. My, my super secret special side project is just kind of the same thing. It's just me reading crap. Yeah, who cares about that? So... That's going to be sitting on hold. That's a little deflating. It kind of gave me a little, little spark in my life besides my lawn. But So I'm going back to two days a week reading Tom Sawyer. Oh, hooray. All right, my five listeners are going to be so delighted. So with that, thanks for listening. And, uh, and I will talk to you later this week. <laughs>